I think that uh, we can trust God to free us from some of the difficulties that we're facing or at least see us through them. And we know that we've been set free from the consequences of sin. So that's the, that's the aim for this year. And then certainly we're looking at the plan A, the great commission for every Christian, that we have the privilege and the responsibility to speak out on behalf of Jesus. So we're looking at that over these coming weeks. And today we're looking at sowing, uh, the theme of sowing, because people need to hear about Jesus. And certainly we've heard about Jesus this morning in uh, both the communion time and the songs that we've been singing. But, but people who don't yet know Jesus need to hear about Jesus. And our responsibility, our God-given uh, Christ-directed responsibility is to be the ones that sow the seed. Now, now, when you see a plant coming up out of the ground like that and you think of sowing, what's the first story in the Bible that comes to mind? The sower. And he sowed seed into different types of soil. We're not going to look at that today. We're going to look at something entirely different. But I thought that might be the first thing that comes to your mind. What I do want to start off today with is the worst meal you've ever eaten. Now, I don't know about you, but I've eaten some shockers over the years. And uh, one of my favourite meals when I was growing up was salmon mornay. Anybody into fish and rice? It was one of my favourite meals. Mum used to cook it great. I used to cook it great. Used to love it. So we had it regularly at our place. But it became the worst meal that I'd ever eaten. Because I had a bit of a trickster of a brother. And this sort of thing happens on school camps and church camps. You know, when they loosen the top of the salt? And you go to put a bit of salt on your food like most people do, and it ends up being a pile of salt. I couldn't actually quite get it on the meal, but you know what I'm talking about. And it was. It made my favourite meal become the worst meal I've ever eaten, because no matter how much I could clean that salt off and try and dilute it in the mixture of the semen mornay, guess what? It did not work did not work and I think I was looking at that I was thinking how could how bad could it be you know we do season our food don't we we season our food to make it taste nicer whether it's salt or pepper or whatever but we don't dump a whole load on it and um and ever after that ever ever since that whenever I've been on a church camp or a school camp I've always tightened the lid on the salt first before I give it a shake and these days with the grinders, it's less likely to end up in a pile. But I, the reason why I tell you that story is sometimes I think that's uh, a similar story to when it comes to sharing our faith about Jesus. You know, um, uh, many Christians that I know of and non-Christians that I know of have, have, have had the same fear. And that fear is that any spiritual conversations are going to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth because they've just been dumped with all the facts about Jesus. You ever had that experience? You know, I've got to tell people this, 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 this and this. And if I don't tell them that, they really haven't heard the gospel. So I'm just going to dump it all at once. Uh, some people have done that. I've done that. And um, some people have been on the receiving end and they've told me what they've thought of me doing that to them. But I think there's a way that's better than dumping the gospel on people. I think there's a way when it comes to spiritual matters and spiritual issues and moral issues in our community, I think there's a way that we can be the salt without dumping it in their plate. And it's to do with the conversation that we're prepared to have with people. It's to do with are we willing 
to listen first and to speak second. That's the essence of it. Are we willing to listen first and speak second? We're going to be looking at this passage in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Because in this passion, in this passage, I believe Paul really does nail it on the head when he gives us three very simple uh, processes or things to do that will sow the seeds of a conversation about Jesus. In any conversation that we have, if we think of these three things, and they're not difficult. The three things that I think he says are, first of all, we need to speak to God. First of all, we need to speak to God. Each of us needs to speak to God. Secondly, we need to let our life speak to others. So we need to speak to God first, let our life speak to others, and then thirdly, we need to let others speak to us. Let's see what this passage has to say. So we're going to work through Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And this is what it says. Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And he says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We've read that passage before, haven't we? What are those three things I mentioned before? Speak to God, let our lives speak, and then let them speak. Let's see what God has to say to us this morning. So Paul was writing this particular letter to the local church in a city that was called Colossae. And so we have the letter called Colossians. You know who Paul was. He was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee amongst the Jews. He was a learned leader. He'd been travelling around the countryside well before this letter was written, trying to stamp out people who followed Jesus. He tried to stamp out the Christian movement from spreading, and it was spreading rapidly in those times. Paul didn't like, as a Jew amongst Jews, he didn't like that people were giving their allegiance to Jesus. They were following Jesus. And so he started traveling the world. God grabbed a hold of him. Jesus appeared to him and called him to tell people about him. So God grabbed hold of Paul. So never give up on praying for people that you think are anti-God or anti-Christian or anti-church. Because God can grab hold of them and do amazing things with them. It's a lesson I've had to learn over the years. Never give up on praying for people. So Paul's job was that he was to not chase the people of Jesus, but point people to Jesus as the King of Kings. He became an evangelist, sharing the gospel. He became a missionary to particularly non-Jewish people. We as the church, have the legacy to follow on from Paul. We have the directions of Jesus to be his mouthpiece to the people around about us. People who live here on the tablelands, people who work here, people who rest here. Paul had different instructions. Don't dump the gospel on them. Sow the seed. Teach them about Jesus. Listen to them. And so he wants us to pray. In those verses, he wants us to pray. He wants us to lead wise lives. He wants us to have 
conversations that are seasoned with salt, not dump the salt on the meal or on the people. And so there are three things I mentioned before. We're going to look at them this morning very briefly. Speak to God. Let our lives speak to others. And then let them speak. And there's a reason for that third one. Practical ways for Christians who live in our area, in our towns. So let's look at them this morning as we consider these three. Firstly, speak to God. We're going to look at speak to God. Our neighbours, our town, our region. What does it mean? Now, I don't know if you've done evangelism training in the past, but but sometimes you get given these these uh, guidelines or these rules or these points to remember and you think, I need to talk to people about sin. Well, sometimes it starts with God's creation, sin, uh, the re- rebellion of mankind, the, the promise of Jesus, the hope of the resurrection, the promise of eternal life, all those sort of things. And they're true and they're right. But often, if you just come out and say them like parrot fashion to people, they don't take it in. I want us to take a step back. I want us to take a step back to where Paul starts. And what does he say? He says in verse 2, this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, Paul wants us to make sure that our conversations, whatever conversations we might have, have been bathed and surrounded in prayer. I don't know about you, but I don't know what it means for you to devote yourself to prayer. It means that, uh, for me, I could be doing more. Okay, I could be doing more. And, and, And potentially, I think we all need to bump it up a notch in our prayer lives. Certainly, I'm speaking to myself. So, for example... If you pray maybe once a week for some people, then bump it up to twice a week. If you pray for five minutes a day in the morning, then maybe pray for five minutes at night as well. If you pray for uh, hours during the day, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Okay. I'd say you're devoted to prayer. But for me, I know that... Uh, when I am still, two, one of two things happen, I either fall asleep or all these other ideas come into my mind and, uh, and I've got to take time to clear them out of the way so I can actually be with God and for me that takes a lot of effort. But Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. What does that mean? Don't ask God. For, for answers to the questions, ask him to help you see what's going on around about you. Being watchful and thankful. Are we looking for God throughout the day? Do we see God in the moments of the day? I'm sure as we've prayed and asked God to answer prayers, we see those answers to prayers and that's wonderful. But do we see him in the wave to the neighbour across the road? Do we see him in the uh, kind words or the short conversation that we have with somebody at the shopping centre? I think if we are being watchful and thankful and prayerful, then we will see God in those situations and we'll be more aware of what God wants us to say and do in those situations. I believe that Paul is saying to us, devote yourselves to prayer, 
being watchful and thankful, so that you might see those people that you should be asking God to bring to himself, to come to faith in Jesus. That should be our focus. That should be our devotion in prayer. We need to watch where God is already at work. Watch out for where God is already at work. Do you think God's working in spite of us? I think he is. You know? Often we'll go into a situation and God's already there, but we don't know it. And we're not prepared for the opportunities that come our way. But if we are devoting ourselves to prayer, saying, Lord, today I want to see you in action. I want to be ready for the action you're calling me to. I want to be ready to have a conversation with somebody today. You reckon we'd be looking out for it? I certainly do. And so if we're devoted in prayer, we're looking for where God is at work, often he will help us to be thankful for those people that we associate with during the day, both both followers of Jesus, those that are believers and those that are not. Because where else will we connect with those people? And so God changes us when we're looking for him throughout the day. He changes our attitude, changes our hearts, changes our opinions towards people. I think God gives us hearts that care. Because he ultimately has a heart that cares, doesn't he? Jesus died for some people. No, Jesus died for all people. We are some of them. But there are people out there that don't yet know that Jesus died for them. People in this region, people in our towns, that he wants to come to know Jesus and he wants us to speak to them about him when we have the opportunity. So we should pray first. We should seek God first. Let me tell you a story about prayer and what happens when we speak to God. There's a story of a young lady, her name was Amelia Taylor, you can see from a photo, it was some years ago. She was a 13-year-old, and she was concerned about her brother. They had been brought up in a loving Christian home, but her older brother had wandered from the faith, and he'd started to work at the bank. That doesn't mean that you wander at the faith when you wander from the faith and you're working at the bank. He just wandered away from God, and he worked at the bank. And his work colleagues... They used to make fun of him because he, he had this, out, or he gave the impression of this outdated belief in God. So because of that, he, he gave up on God pretty well. He soon joined into their conversations and lived a life as if there was no God whatsoever. But Amelia, she was a, a young lady who understood what it mean, meant to be devoted in prayer, to be devoted to God, God in prayer. And she committed to praying for her big, big brother three times a day until he came back to God. She kept on praying after that, but her aim three times a day was to see her brother come back to a living faith in God. Her prayers were answered one month later when her big brother was bored at home, had nothing to do. He picked up a booklet that explained clearly the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and as it were God's Holy Spirit hit him between the eyes and he gave his life to Christ. His life changed and he decided to become a missionary. Now you might not know much about Amelia Taylor but you would have heard of her brother Hudson Taylor. Over 150 years ago he felt God was saying go to China, live as the uh, as the culture of China, uh, the Chinese people do, and take the gospel 
to China. He took a team, he took many teams of people to China and they saw hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. Through various different Christian movements, there are now millions of people in China who are brothers and sisters in Christ. Because a 13-year-old girl was devoted in prayer for her brother. What could God do? What can God do? What can God do for us? He prayed, she prayed three times a day. She was devoted to prayer. She was devoted to seeing her brother come to faith in Christ. And he did in a powerful way. When we are devoted in prayer, when we are watchful, when we are thankful, God works. Because we can see him working. Sometimes we pray and we don't expect to see God work. But when we are devoted in prayer, we can see God at work. So the first thing Paul says to us, Pray, 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 pray. The second thing in that verse is he says, let our lives speak. Let our lives say something. Let our lives be visible to those that don't yet know Jesus. Verse 5, Paul writes, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. All of us would know people who are not followers of Jesus, not believers in Jesus. So we have to be wise how we live life in front of those people. We have to be wise. They could be family members. They could be uh, extended family. They could be workers that we work with. They could be people that we socialise with. But the opportunity is for us to be visible in our relationships with outsiders. That's what Paul's saying. So be wise. Now, you won't hear many pastors or evangelists say this. You really can't speak about Jesus every day. What do I mean by that? So every time you put your um, wheelie bins out and your neighbour happens to be putting them out at the same time as you, it's not... It's not normal to say, good morning, you know that Jesus loves you and he died for your sin today and you can come to faith in him. You know, it just wouldn't be appropriate on some occasions. It's not, it's not untrue, but it's not the right opportunity either. And I wonder if it's like dumping a pile of salt on a plate of food when our conversations need to be salty, but not that much. So what do we do? What do we do? We need to let our life speak. Not only our conversations, but our lifestyle. What we, how we live life. What we believe. We can wisely, wisely invest in genuine friendships with people with the hope that we'll be able to share the gospel with them by the way we do life but, and then the opportunity to have conversations. When the Bible talks about being wise, it talks about living a life that is God-focused, that is God-obedient, that is God-honouring, living a life the way that God wants us to live. It's not about Christians becoming a holy huddle and, and being so pure and so faithful and so spiritual that you never talk to anybody else other than Christians about Jesus. That's not what it's like. That's not what it's about. It's about following the model of Jesus. And what was the criticism against him? He ate with tax collectors and sinners and actually went to Matthew's party. Don't go to a party because you might meet some unbelievers there. Don't go to work because you might actually work with unbelievers. That's not what the Bible's saying. 
The Bible is saying we need to be real and genuine, like we looked at last year, in our work, in our relationship with Jesus, so that our lives speak to people. And our lives are a living invitation to people to come and join us in the walk of life that we have in knowing Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. I wonder, could people see that about your life? Could they see it about my life? That's the second principle of this plan A, sowing. We've got to be careful that we don't just bunker down in a Christian commune and don't have any influence with the world. We need to, like people who don't yet know Jesus, we need to build real and genuine relationships with them. My office, I work out of my home. My office is at home. And I see things happening around the neighbourhood. I see when we have new neighbours across the road. I see when uh, households are being moved in or households are being moved out. I see when the people next door are struggling to mow their lawn. I see when they're struggling to put their wheelie bins out. And my opportunity then is to do something about that. And now I, 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 li- I work out of my office. I'm often not there, as most people would know when they try and get me at my office, because I'm out in the community amongst other people and I watch for changes and opportunities. I wonder what it's like for you. Are you watching? to see where God is at work in the people around about you? Are you looking for those opportunities to speak of your life and your relationship with Jesus? The third and final thing that I want to mention this morning from this passage is that that we need to let our lives speak, but we need to let the people that we're associating with speak. What do I mean by that? In verse 6 says, Paul says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. If you're just speaking off the five, uh, four, four spiritual laws, whatever it is, bang, 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 when do you get to listen to the other person? When do you get to hear what their concerns are? When do you get to actually answer the, the questions that they're asking? If you're doing all the talking, then you won't hear them. So we've got to learn how to let people speak to us. Paul doesn't say, preach over the lunchroom table. Paul doesn't tell people that we we have to go door to door, give them our spiel and walk away and let, let the rest be up to God. No. Those have been things that have done been done over the years. And thankfully, in God's mercy, some people have come to faith in Jesus because of that. But I wonder how many more people would be more likely to ask us questions if we were willing to listen to them first. I would rather have someone say to me, I trust that person. I've got a question about religion or they might say spirituality. I know where I'll go and I know I can get an honest answer, a real answer from that person. And it won't just be a a parroted answer. The thing that I've learned about trying to speak to, Jesus, to people about Jesus is that I actually have to speak less. The thing that I've learned about trying to speak to people about Jesus is that I have to talk less and listen more. 
And often, sometimes, after 50 minutes of listening to somebody, I might get a chance to talk for 10. But I've still got the chance to talk. And often it's it's related to what they've been talking to me about. And it's related to the gospel of Jesus. I wonder if we pray, if we're looking, if we pray and we're looking and we're thankful to God for the people he brings into our lives, are we willing to listen and let them speak to us first? Many people I've found over the years that if I've listened to them, not necessarily for 50 minutes, but for a little while, and I hear something in what they're saying, when I say to them, would you like me to pray about what you've just shared with me? Very few have said no. Very few have said no. So in my prayer, I explain the God that I'm talking to and what he's done for me and how I can trust him to answer this prayer. When people know they've been heard, really heard and really listened to, they're more likely to listen to what I have to say to them. So I wonder, it's easy to talk about interests, it's easy to talk about hobbies, but is it so easy to listen and then have our conversation seasoned with salt? Speak to God. Let your life speak to others. Are you the sort of person that's approachable or you're a grumpy old whatever and um, the, the think that people are on edge when they approach you? Are you approachable because of your lifestyle? Are you willing to listen to them first? Because we have a story to tell, don't we? We have a story to tell about Jesus that's so important that you want people to be hearing it right when you have the opportunity to share it. I'm going to put a challenge out there this week. Amongst the people that you associate with, find one time this week, maybe it'll be more for others, find one time this week when you can sit and listen to them without butting in, without giving the answers to their situation because we are so much we are problem solvers, aren't we? But to listen and to really hear and then ask them, Can I pray for you right now about that and see what God does? Pray to God. Speak to God first. Let your life speak to others. Let them speak to you and you'll have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Let's pray. Father, we look for opportunities. We ask you for opportunities this week to sow those seeds of conversation so that people can see we are genuinely concerned, that we are sincerely listening, and we are ready to speak, ready to pray for them. So, Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for all of us that this week you might help us to learn more what it means to be devoted to prayer. You might help us to be watching the people around about us for those that you might say to us, you need to go and talk to that person or you need to go and listen to them. We need to be thankful for them, Lord. So, Father, we pray that our lives will be such that we are living out the truth of following Jesus and that we have something to share when people give us the opportunity to share. Lord, may you draw people to yourself as you give us those opportunities, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody wants to talk to me about 
uh, anything that I've said, please see me after the service. Thank you.